morning. Evidently, God has something in mind for those of you that made the effort to come, knowing there was a fair amount of uh, question about whether we were having service or not. But anyway, uh, here we are, and I do think uh, God's going to move in our midst. So let's keep our hearts open. We don't know what. Maybe some of us will be surprised. So with that, we do look to you, Lord, uh, that you know exactly what we need, Lord. And we just open our hearts fully to what you have, Lord, for your intended purpose, Lord, in our lives, specifically for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's cover the wake of song. Lord's not limited by numbers, we know that already.
church surfing in Vancouver, in the Vancouver area. You can uh, judge the success of a church by the size of its coffee and donut kind of scenario. So if you need to get coffee, it's back there. You guys are doing all right, but there's no, there's no pastries out or anything, so got to step it up a little. Uh, that part's been, it has been kind of interesting going to uh, a bunch of different churches. Um, of course, we've, you know, after going here, we've moved to Whitehorse where we were in, um, in the church there for close to nine years, you know, mostly a group of older people, nothing against older people. Take some, get some shots lobbed at me here. I'm becoming an older person, so... Um, but uh, it, it's, been, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. And, you know, kind of looking for where you feel the anointing and where you feel, um, you know, connected has, has been uh, interesting. So we, we've hit a bunch of different places and had some interesting experiences. And there's also a lot of, you know, strong people out there who yeah. you know, really believe what they believe and hold to it and yeah. Yeah. are leading, um, you know, lives that we should, we could uh, probably emulate ourselves. Um, so, thanks for the opportunity, I guess, to get up here. Um, I'm trying to practice thankfulness. I don't know if it's something to, to be thankful for. <laughs> um, I've got a subject on my mind I've been thinking about for a little, a little while, and I'm, I'm, hoping it, I'm hoping it's going to kind of fit with um, where you guys are at, or at least where some people are at. I know not every time that something gets, you know, talked about or preached about, um, it doesn't necessarily land with everyone all the time. So, like, that's okay, too, if it doesn't. Um, uh, and feel free to, like, you know, kick out anything that you don't agree to. I, I was, I think I was in church. I think that's where it was. Anyway, I, um, something was preaching. I was just thinking, you know, so, so often, like, kind of the manner of what happens is, is we kind of accept, to some degree, sometimes, um, you know, what comes, comes over the pulpit as like the gospel, the gospel truth or, you know, the absolute word of God. And, and, and I'm not being critical of that in any way, but like this is kind of our best interpretation to some extent of what God is doing and what God is saying. And if there's like a resonance and a witness, then that's a, a, good, a good sign. I was, it got me interested in looking at um, kind of how, um, what was, preached around Jesus' time, and in the synagogues, um, someone got up and, it's my understanding, you know, someone would get up and talk, but then it was open to debate, more or less, you know, where there'd be countering views that would come and maybe add or, you know, challenge or, you know, add some clarity maybe to what was said. So I think that's kind of a good approach, you know, where you can have a bit of humility with what you say to know that it might not be entirely right, but that perspective can get added to and and maybe got crystallized yeah. so so I expect some people to hop up and debate after <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it so um, okay I'm going to just tell you a little bit about what we're doing right now and I think it's a bit of a segue into the what I want to talk about um, so we've we spent the last for those of you who don't know we've spent the last year in Vancouver or kind of a big suburb of Vancouver, kind of close to where uh, Nathan lived for a couple of years. Um, anyway, we've, um, so the, the kind of impetus for doing it was, 
I don't want to say it was on a whim or on a lark, but I, I kind of pushed it uh, with my family. They, they, didn't, they weren't too receptive initially to doing it, but I just kind of felt like it was, like we kind of needed a bit of a circuit breaker as a family, just something different to unplug out of the routine that we were in and maybe be challenged by being in a different situation. And I don't know if that was right or wrong, frankly, like the jury's still out, I guess, but, um, but that's kind of how I felt. I felt like we kind of needed like a bit of a reset. Um, and just to like kind of focus in hopefully on some things and, and kind of push us to, to um, yeah, to be, to be challenged in a, in a different way and to think through things differently. And um, one of the things that I wanted to do in going down there was, um, was get, to, get into a routine of a Bible study with the girls. Not that we couldn't have done that in Whitehorse, but just being in a new place, you know, new situations coming up wanted to kind of challenge uh, what we were doing. And, and the other big thing was, was the schooling. We you know, weren't thrilled with the level of education or kind of the social standard that was um, in the public school system. Even though our kids were in a um, Catholic funded school, it's, or a Catholic school, it's publicly funded and there's a lot of stuff you have to teach and observe there. So, um, so that's what we've been doing and, and our plan is to go back um, to Vancouver for basically the rest of the kids' education. We've been pretty happy with the school, uh, with the standard there, and, and um, so that's, that's the plan at this point. Um, I don't, neither one of us necessarily love the area. I probably less than the other three girls, but um, anyway, that's, that's where we're at. So I wanna talk about living um, in a state of uncertainty, because that's kind of how I've felt a little bit with you know, our living situation, just kind of coming out of um, going through a, a fairly large health situation and then kind of plunging into this next adventure and now, you know, kind of trying to navigate um, a bit of what's in front and not really, you know, not really knowing, not really being able to, you know, plan it and figure it all out myself. Um, so, you know, li living in, in uncertainty is not an easy thing. And, and this is where I'm hoping I, you know, there's some, like, people who maybe feel the same way. Like in your life right now, do you find a certain degree of uncertainty? A certain degree of uncertainty. Um, I've, I've talked to, you know, a handful, not just, not in this setting um, uh, exclusively, but a handful of people like kind of in my age uh, group um, who I would say are going through like really big adjustments. Mm -hmm. And um, you'd probably call that a midlife crisis possibly. Um, but it doesn't really matter what uh, age you're at um, when you're dealing with something that is not where you don't really see the end and you don't really have a clear perspective on how things are going to go it's it can be a really difficult situation to to navigate and really hold to what you believe and not let yourself get and, and not get tossed around by every everything that comes up so you know dealing with you know, questions, unanswered questions, you know, how do you, an unclear outcome, how's this thing going to, to pencil out in the end, where am I going to end up? Dealing with changing conditions, you know, you think you know where something's going and the next day something a little bit different happens and throws you off, gets you off your balance. Um, all those things can lead to a lot of, a lot of different feelings and I wrote some down. Um, one of them can be anger. And when something feels outside of your control, you know, thinking specifically about health situations, you know, when, when, you, when a major health thing comes up, you know, I, I don't know there aren't too many people who, ex who don't experience a phase of anger. Like, right. why me? Why, is this, why, why did this happen to me, right? And, and, and feeling that sort of, um, you know, maybe don't know where to place that anger, but, you know, it's something that... that comes up, you know, frustration, you know, maybe where there's a lack of control and things are, you know, you want to, you want to have some input, you want to have some, some sort of direction, some sort of thing to, you know, sink your teeth into, but you're dealing with a sense of frustration. Um, confusion. Um, sometimes bitterness, you know, did I, did I do, you know, is, 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 you know, this situation like kind of stacked up against me and now I'm feeling bitter about it, you know. 
pointing the finger at other people for the situation you find yourself in. Um, remorse or regret. Did I do something wrong? You know, I, I think right now for a lot of us as parents, you know, we've got kids who are at a, you know, very much a transitional age, um, you know, maybe ready to move out of the house. You know, maybe some have you know, moved off the community. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, did I do everything right? Did I, you know, the path that they're choosing right now, you know, to what extent am I responsible for it? You can go through feelings of, like, regret, like, I didn't do enough. I didn't handle this situation correctly. I could have done, I could have done better. Um, and that's, I mean, these are obviously not healthy places to live, just uh, FYI. Um, <laughs> Um, talk, I was talking to something about some people, my girls, a, a couple of months ago, and they, or a month ago, and um, they're, I don't remember what the situation is, but there was, you know, kind of a comparison between something else, and, and I think it was Addison who said she was experiencing FOMO. Does everyone know what FOMO is? Yeah, yeah it was new to me, too. <laughs> the fear of missing out. Okay. You can, you can experience the fear, the fear of missing out. You know, everyone else is going in a direction. I'm not. What's going wrong? What's going wrong with me, right? Fear, unease. There can be positive things, anticipation, excitement. You know, what's next? You know, if you're an adventurous kind of person. Point is, is that, you know, when stuff is outside of our control, um, you know, these feelings can really take root in our minds. And it's really an opportunity, can be an opportunity for the enemy really to to work in your mind and really get you separated from just the truth of what you know. Um, I, re I remember a long, long time ago here, um, Karen preaching a word about, I think it was what, you know, shortly after, Karen, please correct any details, but um, shortly after moving here to the farm and spending a, you know, a good chunk of time um, in a bit of a struggle and just asking God why, why, why? Where's Karen? Where, where are you? Where are you? Okay. Yeah, where are you? And, and I think God finally said, stop asking me that question. He also didn't tell you where he was. <laughs> he did? Okay, good. Okay, perfect, perfect. But like sometimes, you know, we have a question that just gets unresolved. And it's, and it's like... Can you, in the middle of that, just still trust that God is there with you, like even though that specific question isn't, isn't getting answered? Um, so, um, so, you know, one of the things I think that we all, we all fight is this, is this desire to fix things. Um, and um, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures along this lines, but on this line, but um, worse than trying to fix things is trying to fix people. Um, I've, I've said this before and I've heard other people say it. Um, you know, it's God's, it's God's problem to fix. And I guess there's some truth in that. Um, but it also assumes two things. One is that it's a problem. And if God set the situation up, who's to say it's a problem? And it also somewhat assumes that it kind of leads into this idea that you know how it should be fixed. Um, which is also a problem. <laughs> Because we don't know how things should be fixed. We don't really know how they should, how they should look. Um, so Ecclesiastes 1.15, uh, you don't have to turn to that one. It's a short, simple one. But it basically says, you know, that, that which is crooked cannot be made straight. Um, and there's, I think, a second half to that, that verse. Solomon put out a lot of nuggets. Uh, that's one of them. So if, if there's something that God has made crooked or looks crooked to you, don't waste your try time trying to make it straight because you're going to have a heck of a time. Um, over in Isaiah 50, maybe we can just quickly turn to that one. 
This is one that Jason Wheeler used to, this was a fan favorite for Jason. I'm sporting some new glasses just before they, just before I came up here. Yeah, it does look better with glasses on. I can still read it though. So 50, um, verse 10, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? So if you can identify, you know, with, you know, maybe with that situation, you know, being, I'm not talking about your, you know, every area of your life necessarily, but, you know, maybe there's an area where you just really do feel you're walking in darkness and you, you don't have, you know, you don't have clarity. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of my hand, and ye shall lie down in sorrow. So, you know, the alternative to just, you know, being comfortable with being in a place of darkness and uncertainty is is, you know, striking out on your own. And, um, and the end of that is, is sorrow. Um, okay. So I, I want to talk, I just really quickly then, um, I meant to set a timer on this. I don't know when I started, but I'm going to not make it too long. Um, I want to talk about just really quickly three three different things that kind of um, you know have have come to me and things that I'm trying to employ uh, in the middle of this. One is is acceptance, accepting the the reality of the situation you find yourself in. The second is is just being thankful for the situation you're in, finding a place to be like genuinely grateful, or at least try to get there. Um, and then, and then the last one, just hold to what you know, which just kind of ties in with what Abel was talking about on um, on Wednesday. So, um, in in counseling, I don't know if this is a, a major term or not, but it is a, a term in counseling, and that's um, uh, radical acceptance. And essentially, it's not a complex idea, but it is like fully accepting the reality of the situation that you find yourself in but not being resigned to it. Like this is out of my control, you know, that kind of despair and resignation to, you know, the place I find myself. It's, it's fully accepting that this, you're not fighting against it. This is where you are. This is where, you know, the situation that God's put you in. And then, and then from there, you know, being able to, you know, be comfortable in that place of, of difficulty or of, again, of un uncertainty. You know, can you just be comfortable and just allow God to do, to do his thing? Um, so um, this is over in Acts 5. Um, it's just, again, a kind of a quick one. But um, I've always liked this, this scripture. There's like a, a great deal of wisdom in this. Um, this, of course, is like, you know, Jesus has gone to the cross and Christianity is now, you know, this new thing that is, is spreading. And, uh, of course, the status quo is, you know, challenged by that. Um, and, um, anyway, so, so this is all happening, you know, they're beating disciples, throwing them in prison, and yet... Things are still growing. Uh, anyone, they hadn't studied history enough to know that every time you try to tamp down a rebellion like that, it continues to grow. Um, so near the end of the chapter, I'll, I'll start in verse 32 maybe. Um, we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then there's... Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men, 
For before these days rose up uh, Thetis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, was slain, as many obeyed him, they were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it'll come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. <laughs> uh, I've always thought that was a really uh, deep insight that this guy had, you know, that your best efforts aren't going to undo what God has set in, set in motion. And if you're found fighting against it, you, you know, you better get out of the way because you're probably going to get, you're probably going to get run over uh, one way or the other. So again, like in that place of, of uncertainty, in that place of, you know, darkness maybe, if it's of God, don't, don't waste your time fighting against it. Um, 1 Corinthians 4 or 5 says, judge nothing before the time. Um, you know, God will bring to light the hidden things. And then every man, man I think it says, shall have praise of God. Take a drink. Um, okay, just really quickly on, on giving thanks. This isn't a new, a new concept, but um, if you want to be mentally healthier, giving thanks is not a bad place to start. Um, and, and sometimes you have to just practice that. But um, if you can really you know, find find ways to be truly like truly grateful and truly appreciative appreciative um it really does it really does make a difference just um just looking around here i've had a couple you know a couple thoughts like the way the lawns are manicured and the flowers out there like it's pretty great and there's you know what 11 12 year old girls doing all that work i mean that can just seem like probably, you know, you schedule these girls on, you know, put them on the schedule and they do the job and whatever, they're just doing their part. But I mean, that, like, that's, that's pretty cool, you know? It's, like, there's a, a level of, like, professionalism and, uh, you know, care that's, that's gone into it. I mean, you drive down uh, Richardson Highway there and most places don't look, you know, quite this good. So, you know... You know, gratefulness. I, I was thinking this front area out here, which I know Diana's put a ton of work into over the years. Um, but originally that was Joe Miller and I think Seth Faust, I think, did a, did a lot of work. Yeah. You know, so even work that's been done, you know, years and years back that you're, you know, kind of reaping the, the benefit of, of now. I was thinking we were singing the song this morning, which I, I love that, uh, love the song, Praise Him. That's uh, Linda Shazo. Yeah. You know, there's like, even like over time, what someone did and they were connected to God, like there's, there's like a benefit that we're all right. reaping from that. Right. Um, and, and how, you know, how cool that is and how appreciative we should be for that. Um, so, yeah, giving, just giving thanks. I mean, well, there's, you know, there's scriptures on it. I won't bother reading them. Um, I'll just re reference what in everything with prayer and supplication. So even though you might be praying for something, you might be, you know, asking God for something, do it with thanksgiving. Like also being thankful for the situation. You know, you might not want to be in this place. God, I'm praying for something different. I'm praying for an answer here. But I'm also doing it with thanksgiving for the situation that you have me in. Um, and then, and then just lastly, you know, just holding to what you know, and that can be debated, I guess, because holding to what you know isn't necessarily the right thing if what you know isn't where God's directing you right now. But, um, but by that, I mean, if, if God's given you something to hang on to, hang on to that. Right. Um, you know, don't feel like you've got to go find another 
another solution. And you know, one thing that I think we can all hang on to is that God has our good in mind. Um, you know, despite whatever the, the situation is that like genuinely he has our good in mind. Um, I'm just going to read one more, one more story. I think it's in second Kings seven. It's possible I'm wrong. Uh, when the um, angels came to um, Sarah and I think it was Abram at the time, um, you know, they said of a of a certainty or for certain or something like that. You know, you're going to have a son, and and of course, you know, Sarah was a little dismissive of that. Uh, but if but if God says you know something's going to happen, you can bank on it. Anyway, okay, so the, the story in, in 2 Kings 7, I, you guys all know it, but the Syrian army had, you know, surrounded uh, the city here and, and things, were not, things were not looking good. Just kind of preceding this, this chapter, um, like it was, it was so, there was such a state of despair that, um, that they were, I mean, Canada, they were cannibalizing each other. They were eating uh, a lady's son, you know, like how, I mean, that's pretty desperate to, you know, not just eat a person, but to eat your own child. And you can just imagine like the level of, of, of uh, despair that was in that place. Um, and so Elisha comes along and says, hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for shackle in the gate of Samaria. And I've got to, th- I mean, that must have been like cheap. And, and I'm sure like any food would have been like incredibly, incredibly highly valued, of course, at that point. Um, and then uh, a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Um, you know, impossible to see that anything different could come out of the situation that they were in. Like, are you kidding me? I <laughs> mean, look around you. You know, we got people eating each other here. You think that we're going to be selling flour for a shekel? And get, get real. I mean, how many people have been in that? You know, you're, yeah. Thank you, Nelson, for your honesty. I mean, absolutely. I mean, your, your human analysis for sure is telling you that's not the obvious uh, answer. Um, Anyway, there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? So they, they go out into the fields um, to where the uh, Syrians were. And when they get out there, there's, there's no one there. Everyone's gone. And not only are they gone, they've left everything behind them. And uh, the Lord, it says, the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. I mean, they fled at something that wasn't even real, you know. Um, But that's the way... You know, that's kind of the drama that uh, God can bring on the scene to undo something. Uh, so, you know, the rest of the story, they find all these goods and everything out there, food. And so they bring it back and I'm just trying to find the, uh, the place here where it's... Verse 17, And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. And the people trode upon him in the gate and he died. As the man of God had said, whom spake when the king came down to him. Um, and in verse 19, the Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. 
and so it fell out unto him. For the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. Sorry to end on a kind of a downer there. Um, you know, but, but that's, that's a risk, right? Where, you know, if, if God is doing something and we don't understand it or don't appreciate it or just don't stick with it long enough or doubt what he's doing, that it, it can still happen and we can totally miss, uh, miss the boat on it. So, um, so anyway, if, if any of that, um, you know, rings true with you, if you do find yourself in a place of uncertainty, health, kids, work, whatever the, you know, out, outward situation might be, um, don't it's not necessarily the time to, to fight it, you know, learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and and being okay with the situation God has you in. Oh, I wanted to say, if you missed Becky Winger's devotion yesterday, you should find a way to listen to it. It's really impactful. Thank you, Ben. thinking about Becky's opening too um, she said something that really caught my attention and something to the effect of waiting every morning for Becky right can you say that again like for the Lord to speak like just did you say something like that like what <laughs> like in the morning they're just you you, you you quietly wait for the Lord just for the Lord's voice to hear what he's saying or just I mean like that just caught me by surprise, not not because of you, but it just it just was profound. And I was thinking about Ben. Um, different times I would stay with Ben, and every time I would come out in the morning, he was there in advance reading reading his Bible. And uh, I think for me the takeaway here is to put ourselves in a place where we allow ourselves to be touched by God and allow him to speak to us. So, because if apart from that, we're gonna do, we will strike up our own fire here, right? We will create something, is the point. We, you know, we never know how close we are to a result. And as Brother David was saying, uh, John Cheever spoke on living in uncertainty or something to that effect, right? Just, it's a good line because <clears throat> that's a that's a place of trust, and it and it's um, it's not comfortable. Um, but please know that it says here, you know, that, that point in, in Acts five. There, um, let me just read it. Take heed. <laughs> Take heed to yourself what you intend to do. Now they were going to pursue the apostles, and, but, but I, think about that line. Wherever you are, what you're faced with, take heed about um, sorry, what did I just read in my, my Bible here? About um, What did I just read? I just read the take heed. That's in Acts 35, is that right? Acts 5. Yes. Yes, sorry. Must be a little Selah here, I think. Take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do. I think that's a takeaway for me. I'll say this also for prayer. Like, I'm, Karen and I, are, we leave Monday for. Um, about a two-week trip. And most of the time we'll be in, in Pennsylvania. And they have three-year prayers there. Because it's... Like, I have made massive mistakes putting my hand to something. Like, what I thought... And no question about it. 
very convinced historically what needed to happen. And I look back and it's like, what? Why did I do that? What was driving me? I mean, it, at the time it felt so much like this is what I'm to do. And you look back and that's okay. You know, I can't, I got to live with those things that we, you know, we all got to live with things where we took action. That word heed, take heed. That means to pay attention. Like, right now is the time to pay attention. To, to pause and, and give place to the Spirit of God to speak to us. So that we don't misstep. That we don't act on our own <laughs> behalf. Because of whatever the emotion is. Because of fear. Because of FOMA. Right? Fear of missing out. Like, so Lord help us with this today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Give place to the Spirit of God before you take action in your situation today. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah. I was telling that David, you know, some of the, even with most of the people, I saw a big truckload gone by and it's like, keep go, just keep, keep. <laughs> everybody's got stuff to do. Like, you know, where you are, that's what, where you need to be. And sometimes there's such a pull, even though we, we still have a, we probably have more people here than mo when half of us gone than most places in the fellowships do, right? Probably weren't many more than this at the convention. But anyway, um, there's a lot happening and it can pull our focus. So I appreciate the concentration here today and just locking in on what, what, what did God want for us today here? And that's, that's, that's a good thing. Did you want to say something? We do really appreciate your prayers. I was just, um, in light, I was thinking of Becky's opening too, and this is a wonderful follow-up. Um, I don't, when I, that reference to what I said about don't, don't ask that question anymore, I, God, I don't want, for anybody, especially young people, I, God doesn't mind questions. He invites, like Becky, that was part of like the poem he read, and like he wants us to be real. He wants, he wants us to pour out his heart before him. It's, for me, it was the point of reference of my question, which was mainly an accusation to God at the time. I was actually, in saying, where are you? I was actually accusing him of not being there. And so that's why he helped me refrain. Uh, and make it more of a statement. You are, I know you're there. Please let me see you. It's then that is more out of a place of faith. And um, he actually showed me that when, every time I accused him, I actually had a picture. He showed me a picture, a vision, that he just quietly stepped backwards and became more clouded through my accusation. But I do, he does not mind. He wants that honest exchange. 